Hey, what are you doing on March 6th and 7th? How about making your way to DX3 in Toronto for a two-day deep dive into digital marketing, digital advertising, and digital retailing? Along with a free exhibit hall, there are going to be over 40 sessions, including speakers from Microsoft, Salesforce.com, Google, Well.ca, Facebook, Lowe's, and Mountain Equipment Co-op. Come see what one attendee called a rare thing in the digital world. Register at www.dx3canada.com today. See you there. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 118. We are recording this on Friday, February 22nd. That's the year 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in, well, the semi-warm nation's capital. That's the capital of Canada. Just so I remind us, Eve, that the capital, in fact, is Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. How are you doing, Asif? Welcome, buddy. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, actually got to be at home in town in Toronto for a few days, and uh, you know, involved with a couple conferences here. And uh, our buddy uh, um, Scott Caviton from Urban Airship was in town. He actually came to Toronto, if you can believe it, and got to chat with him this morning. So I'm I'm doing well. Um, you know, it's been a good week. I, you know, it's so funny. I've spent a lot of time with uh, Scott and Urban Airship on Untether.tv. I've done three episodes with him, and I've, I've chronicled, chronicled that company from the time there were 20 people to the time there were 150 people and growing and growing and growing. And I've never met the guy except for doing this, right? Uh, we got a uh, packed show this time around, as usual. We've got a very special guest. Uh, we've, we talked about the, uh, the app that he co-founded or co-created. Uh, it's uh, Mark Kasdorf, the co-founder and the co-creator of a company called, uh, of an app called Timber, which is a lo- location-based uh, live music app. It's really cool. It's awesome. Just launched uh, you know, in North America and around the world. It was really uh, only in about five centers when we talked about it, but now it's, it's available worldwide. Got our uh, Asif's fascinating app of the week, which is a, uh, an app called Truckly. You'll have to stick around to hear about that, what that is. And we've got our six stories, including the living social disaster that is unfolding around uh, a recent funding, plus our resource of the week around location-based uh, marketing and data. But before we get into that, we want to talk about, uh, thank our syndicating partners uh, in uh, Street Fight and a brand new one, Phil Butler from Panel Vision PR. Phil, thank you for agreeing to host this week in location-based marketing on your website. If you want some content for your website, let us know. We'll flip you the embed code. You can spread the gospel on your website. Hey, it's one less post you have to write. You know, I, I like that. Yeah. There you go. So, Asif, tell me what's going on with the uh, world of location-based marketing. Some events coming up. Yeah, well, we got, uh, we've got a few events uh, happening in the next little bit. Uh, first is uh, I'm off to Vegas uh, this coming week uh, for the world's biggest uh, digital out-of-home conference, the Digital Signage Expo. Uh, so a huge event if you're in that industry, if you're in digital out-of-home or mobile um, you know, and digital out-of-home or any of that kind of stuff. So lots of discussion around mobile there, lots of discussion about NFC and how that's going to fit into you know, screens and all that kind of stuff. So it, it should be a great event. Um, so that's the first part of the week, and then uh, on the 28th, on the Thursday, uh, in Atlanta, our LBMA Atlanta chapter is hosting an event uh, in the evening. So, 
you know, looking forward to uh, to that one as well. And then um, on March the 20th, um, I think it is, so a couple weeks later, um, we'll be in uh, in Berlin, uh, just announced a, a new meetup there. Um, and uh, so all of that information is uh, can be found at thelbma.com forward slash events, that and many more events. Uh, so if, if you're into events, you want to learn more about this stuff and you want to hang out with cool people in the industry and do some networking, this is, you know, there's a good list there. Check it out. We are going to be in the same city. We're going to be in Toronto for DX3 Canada on the 6th and 7th of March. So we implore you to come down. There is a trade show. There is You can see some of the greatest and latest technology. We'll, we'll be hanging around there over the over the couple of days. So if you're in Toronto, please just uh, swing by and say hi. Uh, track us down. I'm going to be doing a couple of panels and uh, and actually participating uh, as a mobile expert down there in uh, for DX3 with, uh, with Microsoft and Google. So good company. I think I actually am going to be standing in the middle of them, holding each other apart, holding them apart, right? It's, yeah. There you go. Somebody's Somebody does. Um, hey, listen, you, the fine listener, you, I'm talking to you right in your ear. I'm talking to you. Um, we would really appreciate a review on iTunes. If you find any value in these podcasts, the other 117 that we've done, including this one, although there's no guarantees uh, that you might like that you'll like this or not, but please, if you do uh, a review on iTunes, is currency for us. We love that. It helps us. It helps you know actually drive awareness of the podcast on a global scale. Don't keep this a secret. This isn't going to do any good if you keep this a secret. You want this to come out so that your customers find it, and then they'll come to you to actually do the services and implementation. So review us on iTunes. It does everybody a little good. And if you'd like any feedback, if you'd like to give us any feedback or any comments about what we've been doing here, if you'd like, you know, we're going to say a few controversial things. I certainly am this episode. Uh, why don't you have your say? We'd love to bring you onto the show on tether.tv forward slash talk. And you can actually talk to us. Leave a 30 second, a 30 second clip. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Not 40, not 60, not 90, 30 seconds. Um, and I will, we will play it on the show. So please, please do that. And for those of you who called last time and left a 90 second clip, I'm sorry, I can't play it. So please, 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 <laughs> 30 seconds on tether.tv forward slash talk. Announcements done, out of the way. Let's get into some of these stories, man. We're gonna start today with Truckly. Asif's fascination, Truckly. I don't know what it is about food, man. Yeah, you know, I like to eat. So at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, you know, you can you can eat the regular stuff you eat at home, or or you can eat when you're on the road. And I'm on the road a lot, and you know, food trucks uh, are a big part of, uh, you know, is is actually a, a huge growing part of the economy right now. I mean, uh, especially in cities like New York and Chicago and places like that, uh, there, there's just a growing culture actually around gourmet uh, food truck, uh, you know, people hunting out cool food trucks and, and all sorts of different ethnic foods and whatnot. So Truckily uh, is, a, is a new app. It actually, um, we were talking earlier, it hasn't officially launched yet, but it's um, uh, the guys who built it are in Kansas City. Uh, and and it's uh, it's it's coming uh, shortly. But 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 the the interesting thing about this space is th there's a lot of apps emerging around this. There's uh, Roaming Hunger is another one. Uh, there's uh, another one called I think it's just called Trucks T R U X. Uh, you know the whole space is is just fascinating to me in that it's all about geo. It's all about you know saying wh where you are and then finding trucks around you. That, uh, that you can meet up at. Uh, I actually wrote an article uh, probably a year ago now for Street Fight Magazine on uh, location-based marketing in the food truck circuit. And uh, so just just go Street Fight Mag and food truck, and and you'll you'll find that article somewhere 
in the archives there. And, um, it, you know, brands are getting behind this too because um, MasterCard did a, pro did a project last year, uh, last summer in New York City where uh, they connected with one of these apps. And basically, you know, as, as you, you, what you would do is, is every Friday, um, they would announce in a totally last minute thing where this food truck was going to be. And, and then uh, if you showed up, you got free lunch, like brought to you by MasterCard. Um, you know, because you know those kinds of things are priceless or whatever they say, right? So it, it, it's um, it, it, it's really interesting, you know, this whole space. And Truckly's, you know, as a service, as an app, I think is coming at it in some interesting ways too. In terms of it's not just um, you know where's the truck near me, but it's you know truck, you know, food trucks by category, food trucks by you know uh, your tastes and different kinds of things. So so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, this is. I mean. Uh, it's not localized, right? Like that's one of the things. Is like, I mean, there is that um, on Front Street, for example, in Toronto. Uh, there is that that crazy truck, that uh, food truck that sits out in front of uh, CBC, and it's it's always swamped. And and I, I've done a lot of traveling in Asia, Southeast Asia, and uh, you know, you know, most of the food that I ate was from not literally on the street, but it's where it's where the locals eat, right? It's not where they the tourists eat. Uh, you know, I always got sick when I ate when the tourists eat, and I always didn't get sick. I never got sick when I ate where, where the locals ate, and most of it was from street vendors and street trucks. So uh, this is not a localized thing. I think this is this is pretty neat. I don't know how you monetize this, but I, I guess you know we live in the app world and we don't have to monetize. Yeah, uh, trucks. I mean, the, the margins on those trucks is not are not great, and and so how do you you can't really sell advertising or else you, yeah. So, but. Yeah, but but I do like the I do like the concept in general of you know if you're the vendor you know being able to broadcast out and yeah. reach people you know yes. based on mobile uh, that are around you to draw customers in I think there's a lot of value to that and I think for for the food truck connoisseur uh, you know that you know wants to try new things and find things around there I, I think there's this nice match between vendor and customer yeah. you know that uh, th that is powered by mobile and location services in that context so so I, I like yeah, this so space. do I I think it's, it's it's pretty cool and you should look at you should read that art, uh, article written by Asif if you're interested in these guys um, go to truckily that's truckily.com t-r-u-c-k-i-l-y.com and that's Asif's app fascination for this week pretty cool if you think that you should be in there, if you want to reach out and you have an app that is cool, that is focuses on the location-based marketing world that we can feature here, please let us know. Let us know, Robin on Tether.tv or Asif at TheLBMA.com. All right, let's jump into these stories, Asif. They are dying to be spread. Dying to be spread. Uh, our first story, you know, this is, uh, this is really the power of location. It's such a simple concept. And when you distill location down to its, its essence, I think that something like this, where you, where you mass uh, an entire population to, uh, you know, empower them to go out and take photos of dying lakes and dying rivers and polluted uh, lakes and, and rivers like uh, Deng Fei did uh, through Weibo, which is, I guess, the equivalent uh, to Twitter in China, right? This mm -hmm. is this is this is one of those things that that uh, just shows you the power of location, the power of now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the you know, in in a lot of cases with, with the big media companies that we work with at the LVMA, companies like CNN and, and and folks like that, you know, the interesting thing for me is is a lot of those conversations center around you know. Um, the leveraging of location capabilities in, in two streams. You know, if you're a media company, you look at it and you go, well, 
how can we uh, deliver content to people based on where they are, where the reader is, where the listener is, where the viewer is? Um, you know, you know. So, so there's this kind of push, uh, you know, thinking around, you know, the delivery of content tag, you know, based on on lo the location of the of the user. Then there's the reverse, which is. You know, uh, in the case of a company like CNN, you have iReport, you have Zite, you have things like that, which is about you know how do we actually generate content? How do we generate news and and, and empower consumers to actually participate in the news creation? Uh, you know, the content creation piece based on location, um, and so so that's more the pull side, um, and that's what we're talking about here. So you know, Twitter. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, previously on the show uh, Ushahidi, you know, the open source uh, platform uh, for for collecting data that's all location targeted, and, and that's effectively what you know Dan Fay is doing here with the, with this Weibo thing is, is basically saying, look, there's there's an issue here. Let's bring uh, you know you know. Uh, Let's bring a light to, to this particular issue uh, around uh, what's happening in China with these rivers and all the trash and, and all this kind of stuff. And let's power people to kind of participate in the sharing of that content, you know, and, and tagging it to location and, you know, and photos and, and all that kind of stuff. For me, this is like what Instagram should do. Do you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, in some respects, it, it, it's, you know, how do you, when, when people say, how do you monetize Instagram? Well, this is the kind of thing that you need to be doing, right? You need to be taking p platforms with that kind of user base and that kind of power um, and actually using it in, in a way that you're, you're doing something useful and, and, and beneficial to, to society and, and to the media industry. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just these guys, I mean, uh, there's such a deep gulf and uh, between Silicon Valley and the Silicon Valley mentality and what's happening here with this, right? So the story is that uh, Deng Fei, who is a um, journalist and an activist uh, and uh, in China, put out a, a, you know, basically didn't believe uh, the Chinese media saying that these rivers were not being uh, polluted by big industry. And uh, so he, he put out a, a, a post and uh, basically on, on Weibo and said, uh, how is the river in your hometown while you're home for the holidays, take a photo of the river or stream in your hometown and upload it to Weibo for us to see. And the the uh, the photos that came up. And now these, I'm I'm just going to show these up here right now. These are only the negative photos, right? So uh, these are not the the uh, the photos that um, that came back. Uh, there was apparently a number of photos that came back that said this. You know, this is how beautiful my lake is, how beautiful my river is, and unpolluted. But but if you look at these. Uh, you know, for you who are listening, you can't you can't see this, but picture uh, rivers and lakes full of trash, just basically streaming trash uh, down it, completely polluted. And and I and I don't think that we're surprised by that. Um, but this is this is a pretty amazing uh, amazing feat here, that the the popularity as a result of this was was incredible, and it just shows you that citizen journalism and citizen. Uh, you, you know, this kind of citizen engagement can happen around great root causes. And I always think about Project Noah when I think of these kind of things, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, I just, you know, I, I think there's so much room for more of this kind of stuff. And, and you know, I think I think we're, we're living in an age now where, where the, you know, the average consumer that is smartphone-enabled, social media-friendly, you know, that that consumer, that demographic, you know, wants to participate in these kinds of things. And, and quite frankly, you know, the media companies aren't doing enough to empower yeah. it. And I think that that's where there's big opportunity to actually drive. You know, when we talk about 
the failures of, of you know some mobile platforms you know in terms of just not getting enough user base or, or enough traction to kind of be appealing for a brand you know from a monetization perspective you start to do something like this and all of a sudden people just go well sure I'll download the app because I want to do yeah. this you, you know what I mean like I want to participate this is the kind of thing that doesn't get you a million users this kind of thing gets you a hundred million users do you yeah. know what I mean like it's so but you, you know the, the thing that strikes me though is that it's uh, it's not an app Right. It wasn't right. built on. It yeah. Whether it's an app or a mobile service or you know whatever it is, um, it, it has mass appeal. Yes. And it was it was enabled through through the technology, but it, it, it nobody had to build an app to get this out and do it very quickly. I mean, they leveraged an infrastructure that was already there, like we do with Twitter all the time. And I think that that's an interesting play. It just shows you the simpler you can the the. Creating something with the least amount of friction is exactly what you should be doing. And if it warrants an app, use an app. If it warrants using Twitter, use it. Use Twitter. Instagram, the same thing. You can do this in Instagram. It's just it's much more difficult to connect with people. That's all. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, you can just do a search for uh, either Dengfei or Weibo uh, or water pollution, all of those, and you'll find the stories and the photos that I posted with a bunch more. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, it's certainly... Um, you know, hopefully this this is you can leverage this and lobby for for cleaner lakes and, and rivers in China. But uh, based on those photos, it, it looks pretty devastating. And the interesting thing is that e even the uh, the minister of resources came back and said, well, yeah, those those are in fact polluted. Yes, no doubt about those rivers and lakes. They are polluted, but those are human polluted. Those are as a result of overpopulation, and the ecosystem can't handle the number of people that live in in these uh, dense uh, dense populations. This isn't big big industry polluting it with radioactive waste, but there are some uh, some uh, cities that you know kids are bathing in it and they're using it to clean their dishes and their clothes, and they're getting uh, red splotches and high high cancer rates, and and uh, and those are the ones that we you know it's the it's the hidden pollution that you can't see, which is uh, which is what's devastating. So um, I applaud this effort. Deng, Deng Fei. Very cool. All right, our, our second story. This is frivolous and fancy-free from something that was a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, um, pertinent. But this is KLM. I, I See, I love KLM. I don't fly them, oh, but I man. love them. It's my favorite airline from a, you know, technology, social media implementation uh, perspective. I mean, they, these guys are just willing to try everything and take chances. And, you know, they're, they're the company that, you know, every every new tech startup and vendor like loves because, you know, you can you can go to them and you got a good chance that they're going to try something. <laughs> exactly. you know, like, it's pretty cool. Target KLM. So tell, tell us about KLM, KLM and their, uh, what is this thing called? The must, the must, the must see map. Must see map. So it's a little program created by uh, their uh, one of their agencies, a company called Code uh, d'Azur, um, and basically what what they've done is is they said, look, you know, people who travel on KLM and you're thinking about traveling on KLM, you know, uh, by connecting with Facebook uh, and Twitter data, um, what what they're doing is is they're they're looking at where your friends have traveled. Um, uh, you know, recently, uh, or you know, over some period of time, uh, and they will then um, uh, kind of build these paper maps that kind of you know map out for you where your friends have been, and actually ship these maps to you. Um, you know, and, and it's an interesting concept. What, what I think is really interesting about it, though, and what what I like about it, the, the paper map thing is, you know, it's it's you know kitschy and, and maybe fun. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure it's something I would do, but what I like about this concept and what what, what I think they're going for here is, is the premise that look, if I'm planning on going on holiday, I'm planning on taking a trip somewhere, and we talked about this 
uh, probably like in episode three or something uh, on, on another front. But, you know, w when you're planning on taking a trip and going on a holiday, you know, typically you do a lot of research if it's a place you've not been to before. Or you go to like travel guides or photos or, you know, one of these kinds of things to kind of find out what are the hot spots, what are the things to, you know, to see and do uh, in that particular place. And it's one thing to kind of rely on that information from a, a guide. It's another thing to, you know, get that same kind of information from your friends who you know and trust who've actually been to these places. Um, and I think that's a bit of what they're going for here is to say, look, you know, uh, let's, let, let's kind of tap into the friend networks around you and understand where they've been and where they've traveled. Uh, let's build you a map of potential destinations of where you could go and fly on KLM and, and to get there. Um, so, so I like this concept of kind of, you know, leveraging that location data in, in this context coming from Facebook and Twitter, you know, looking at that friend filter around potential travel uh, for you um, and, and kind of, you know, tying that together. So it's, 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 a, it's a nice implementation. Yeah. I, and the fact that they mailed you a map, I think, is, is, is pretty cool because it actually includes all the social side to it, all your friends and comments that they've had in the different locations. And, it, you know, it's like the old days of CAA where you used to say, listen, I'm, I'm driving to Florida. And uh, I need a map, and it would, and then it would, they would assemble a package for you, and then ship it off to you, and you'd get it three or four weeks later, and and it would be your map to get to Florida with all the places that you wanted to go, and and um, I, I kind of like this. The challenge I have is three weeks is like an eternity, uh, and that's just way too long to wait for something like this, and especially even if it is kitschy, but they should be doing something on the mobile side where, <clears throat> where instead of having to, to wait for the map, uh, you should be able to, and here's the best thing that they should do: KLM, take this and use it. You should be able to get your app. Here's your trip app. And I don't mean like connectivity. Like when we go into the States from Canada or Canada, uh, you come up to Canada from the States, it is prohibitively costly to use your phone, right? It is stupid mm -hmm. expensive, so don't do it. But here, here's KLM. They could do something like I could create a compartmentalized app that has everything in it. I don't. I just download the app. It has everything that I need in it. If I hit a Wi-Fi spot, I yeah. can get some more information. But wouldn't that be the the coolest thing ever? Is if KLM created that travel app for me, like the map, but they just brought it into an app that was built just for me. They send me a link. I go and download the app from mm -hmm. the from the app store, and it's and it is my trip app. That is the best branding you could have. It would stay on there. I could you know highlight all of my trips that I've ever taken within this uh, within this app and uh, and it would be incredible branding for KLM and a great way for them to increase uh, reach and retention and potentially sales through these apps to customers and non-customers alike I think they're just missing a, a, a the boat here just a little bit I think that they went like 80% there I think that they just have that little piece left and then this will be a killer strategy um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I think it makes makes a ton of sense. And whether they do that as their own app or or they white label something from TripAdvisor yeah. or somebody else, yeah. uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that could be done but there. So kudos, um, right? Anyhow, but but good yeah. initiative. Uh, you know, love Caleb. Yeah. All uh, all about Caleb. Where's Air Canada in this? Like, God, they, they could do it. Anyway, they could. All right, our third story uh, from the skies and big expanse and big locations all the way into indoor location. This is a huge market, a burgeoning market. Here's an Austrian company that is has raised what multiple six-figure uh, um, investment, and um, and it's a company called Indoors. Yeah, first of all, I, I, I like the yeah. name. Um, it, you know, it says what it is, and it, so for those out there who. Uh, you know, aren't aren't viewing it and just listening. It's it's i n d o o dot r s indoors. Um, so another indoor location play. Uh, you know, we know this is a hot hot space. 
these guys are coming at it from a slightly different perspective, uh, which is why I pulled this one out this week. It, it's they're, they're not providing a platform to retailers to analyze foot traffic patterns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're they're not uh, pushing deals uh, through their platform, you know, based on where you are in the store. What they're doing is is they're building a technology layer uh, and effectively licensing this as you know an SDK type of model that uh, other people can build into their handsets and other kinds of things. And the other thing I like about it is it's not just Wi-Fi uh, or Bluetooth or things like that which most of the platforms are based on today. Um, they're actually drawing in data from other parts of the device itself like the accelerometer, the gyroscope, uh, the compass uh, to help sort of improve the accuracy. So they're actually combining all of the sensors uh, in that smartphone, not just relying on one, uh, you know, to uh, to kind of figure out the exact position. So, so that's a really interesting play. Uh, we know some of the other guys like Ericsson and Qualcomm, and some of these guys are are doing some of this kind of stuff. But it's nice to see that independent companies out there are trying to, you know, push push the envelope around this, and then going back to the handset manufacturers and saying, look, this is how you should really do it. Um, so that's kind of cool. It is, um, and they 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 let, you know they've classified their competition as as like you know, Microsoft and Google and big guys, right? Uh, and uh, and there's no hardware requirements in here. You don't have to hook things up, and you don't have to uh, you know outfit a uh, a mall, do you? For this? Right. No. Well, that, that makes it no. easy. I, I I like it. The domain is incredible, and and uh, and uh, how do you, I mean? No, th this is being driven off the device yeah, itself. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and, and so how do you win in this space? Is it just is there's enough there's enough uh, you know business out there for everybody to be a part of this? When you see how many uh, companies that are coming out and and the I think the sheer uh, size of this market, the opportunity of this market, uh, and the importance of this market, the indoor location market, is incredible. Um, you know, is there room for small companies like these that raise multiple six-figure investments versus guys like Google who, you know, by the end of 2013 are going to be releasing their Google Glasses and, and, uh, and have all that stuff embedded, you know? No, I think there's definitely room. I think these are the kinds of companies that... You know, they go out, uh, you know, they get, they get some good traction with some, you know, some base customers. They get a few big retailers on board using their system. Uh, they start to generate some revenue. This is the kind of stuff that actually generates revenue, by the way, um, unlike some of the other things that we talk about on this show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll come to one that's, you know, uh, not, uh, still having problems generating revenue. Uh, or, or we're making profit, yes. I should say. They generate yeah. lots of revenue. Uh, but um, you know, it's the kind of company that you know they, they get some good traction. They, they they move along, and then these are the kinds of companies that a Qualcomm or an Ericsson or somebody just Picks you know, yeah. buys because they've got great IP, they've got great technology. Um, you know, kind of like the Yahoo alike thing we talked yeah. about last week. Yeah, and a little bit of market traction just to to validate the market, yeah. and then and then they go and, yeah. and take it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's cool. I mean, indoors, very cool uh, domain name. Just uh, type in indoors into the browser, and uh, it's i n d o o dot r s. RS. I love these uh, these country domains. Um, that's how that's how I got you know Tavula on Tether.tv. Very cool. All right, those nice. first three stories. We're going to take a break here. We're going to bring in our guest, which is uh, Timber co-founder Mark Kasdorf. I had a great opportunity to sit down there. Is a much longer, a huge. This is a long episode on Untether. It's up there now. It's like a hundred and uh, no, it's about an hour and seventeen minutes. So it was uh, seventy-seven minutes, but it it it. Kind
covers quite a bit of ground around what he's doing with his intrepid. He's got an intrepid brand of companies, and he's got an app development company. He's got uh, Timber, which is a separate company, and he's also got Intrepid Labs, which is an incubation space and a and a uh, an, you know shared office space in uh, in Massachusetts, in Cambridge, in Massachusetts. And uh, but there's there's a segment about 35 minutes around and we're not going to play that door i'm not going to play the whole thing right now uh play about six minutes of it where he talks about where we talk about timber and the challenges that he's had with around timber and the opportunities and how it came about and and he literally one of the best lines in this interview uh if you were out there trying to build a location-based uh, application and you're trying to find some funding and, and he he put it so succinctly he said yeah you know what i didn't want to spend six months going to raise uh, uh money for this app and then go and build it uh, what I wanted to do was spend five months and 30 days basically building it and challenging it and getting users, users of it and distributing it and getting it out in the market. And then I wanted to spend one day raising the money. And he did just that. Anyways, the stories are pretty amazing. Uh, I was really impressed with, with Mark and, uh, and his team. And uh, so I'm just, we're just going to play a little clip of that and, uh, and come back on the flip sides. But uh, this is Mark Kasdorf, the co-founder of Timber. Well, the guy who introduced me to Timber, uh, Patrick Reynolds from Triton Digital, right? So they do, uh, you know, they, among other things is that they're helping radio stations move into this digital world, into this mobile world. And I asked him just at the end of the, uh, the episode that I did with him, I said, so, I mean, what's caught your fancy? Like, what are you excited about? And he's like, I thought it was going to be something like radio technology or something like that. And he goes, okay, you got to see this app. It's called Timber. It's a, a you know, a band discovery app. And I'm like, no, no, I meant about your business. He's no, no, no. You got to see this app. He, the same thing, right? Is that that's what you love to hear. Those, those guys that he's not even related to you guys. And he's passionate about what you guys are doing. And, and uh, so I, I can understand that. And, and uh, that's what you want to have. Definitely what you want to have. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's, it was, I'll tell you, we launched it on September 7th. Um, we, uh, Apple made it the number one new and noteworthy app for the iPhone 5 launch, which was just incredible. Uh, you know, we had no pre-existing connection to Apple. They found it. They liked it. Um, we actually dropped Timber into a wholly owned subsidiary of Intrepid on September 20th, not because we were raising money, but because we knew Timber was more than an app. You know, it's it's bigger than an app. It's more of a concept. It could be a company. So it didn't hurt us any. It cost us a couple thousand dollars. Um, we dropped it into a subsidiary just so that we were as flexible as humanly possible based on what might come in the future. So what do you what do you do with this? Like, so you you you've invested a lot of time and and blood, sweat, tears. You're maintaining this app, uh, which kind of goes against the convention uh, of your other business, right? Which is your consulting. Yep. Uh, so you're maintaining this. You're going to do. You're doing support. You're you're doing all the marketing on all of these things, which is a which is a completely different piece to what what your what your uh, bread and butter is. So yep. you put all this effort into. What, how, how do you turn this into revenue? Do you turn this into revenue? Is this just a showpiece for you? What do you do with something like this? So we figured Timber. The minute Apple made it a new noteworthy yeah. app. You know, not that that's the holy grail. It is. It is the, the holy grail. Problems. Come on, like, they, I mean, what were your numbers before and after that? It was phenomenal. I mean, the the uh, the, the when I say it wasn't the holy grail, I just mean that being featured by Apple is the holy yeah. grail. Being a new and noteworthy app is, you know, something slightly below the yeah. holy grail. Um, so the the I, I'll give you um, I'll give you two interesting sure. numbers um, that I don't think I've given anyone. Else. Sweet, exclusive. Everybody, listen up. Listen up. Yeah. So interesting number number one. 
um, we got TechCrunch was kind enough to write a piece about it. You know, gave them a little advance notice. They thought it looked cool. Uh, they were great. They were really kind to it. We got 2,000 downloads within six hours of that TechCrunch piece running. Okay. That's good. Uh, which was good numbers. You know, for an app that, you know, we did no PR and marketing, it was, it was great. Um, a week later, we got featured by Apple and we did 10,000 downloads in an app. <laughs> you know, off the new and nowhere. Right? So it was just explosive. You know, people went nuts. The people that found it loved it. You know, there is absolutely positively no better way to have an app get noticed than being featured by Apple. It is the amount of control that they have is incredible. And you guys didn't lobby them. You didn't go to them. Did you? Did you ask anybody why? Like, what do you? Why so do you think it works? I, 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 we did. We didn't lobby them. We kind of, sort of went to them, right? So we, I, I did a bunch of network in Boston, trying to find people who knew Apple and knew someone at Apple, and I eventually found a guy who was really, really helpful. Who said, "Look, um, you know, I know someone in a different department in the App Store. It was in the iTunes affiliate department." And he said, you know, send me some screenshots, send me a description, I'll forward it to them, and if they think it's interesting, maybe they'll forward it over to the, to the Apple category team. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, you know, he BCC'd me on that email, and I would imagine it helped. You know, Apple, you know, people in the category team found it really fast. We were featured about a, a, a new and noteworthy about a week after we submitted mm -hmm. it. Um, but that's kind of the lobbying we did. So why do you think, why do you think uh, they chose it? Uh, I think they chose it because it was different, because it was unique, because it was it was really really interesting. You know, we uh, Apple for a long time would only feature things that were kind of complied with the HIG, the human interface guidelines, and match their aesthetic. And I think they've morphed a bit. You know, you can't do things that are confusing, but I think they like it when people push the envelope, and it's not another dual stick shooter. Or another list view that you know newsreader, you know another app in a really tired category. You know we push the envelope in a way, and I think they really like that. So I mean, let me let me kind of put a conclusion to this: is that I mean, when when you're building an app and uh, it's a, a unique interface, right, and a unique experience, something that that uh, that is very much Apple-like or something that is is innovative. And this seems like a no-brainer now that I'm speaking it, and I should have probably kept this thought in my head. But that's really the way that that Apple is going to, or anybody is going to find you, and it's going to stick, right? I mean, it just goes without yes. saying. Yeah, no. I mean, the way to get featured is it's. This sounds like a tautology, and it sounds like really useless advice. But <laughs> the best thing to get featured is to build something awesome. That's so true. I could have just said that, but I'm glad you concur with that. Uh, you know, it sounds it sounds yeah. so simple, right? But it's so hard to do. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that 70% of building something awesome is luck. Well, I want to thank Mark for allowing us to use that clip and obviously coming on to untether.tv for a much longer episode. If you do want to spend some time, and I mean spend some time, uh, very fascinating guy. He's got some great anecdotes towards the end of this episode. Uh, you can find it on untether.tv. It's episode number 442. It's up there. But a few of the stories that he talked about, the things that he did around his app to actually get people to use the app more and get deeper into the app uh, are lessons that every one of us should be learning. So I implore you. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I've done on Untether.tv is actually um, put a, a clickable index of key themes throughout the entire episode. 
So if, for example, you just want to jump to that one little piece, which is the 22nd thing uh, on this index, you can actually pull it up and just listen to that two or three minutes and then go on your way. But I implore you, go to go to untether.tv to check that out. The whole episode, number 442, which is pretty incredible. All right, back to the stories to see if this one might take forever. I don't even know how to bring this one up. It is uh, coupons and uh, living social raising $110 million dollars. The controversy that this kind of sparked was incredible, man. Like, uh, you know, uh, you know, accusations flying that this wasn't actually an equity uh, investment. This was debt, and it and it crushed all of the uh, the equity that any of the founders and any of the employees might have had. And the fact that this was a last minute um, investment to stave off bankruptcy. What? 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 What is going on? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we've talked about this company uh, a lot. We've talked about the space a lot. I mean, I, it, it, it's a tough space, right? I mean, the models are just not sustainable. The valuations are ridiculous uh, around these companies. Uh, $110 million uh, is this round, all coming from obviously the existing uh, investors. Uh, it's hard to think that this is not an emergency you know, round of debt financing. Uh, you know, they, I, I read in, in one of the things here, um, Tim O'Shaughnessy, who's their CEO, uh, uh, the quote is, yes, it's a down round, but no, this was not an emergency debt infusion with oppressive terms. Um, what does that yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> no, I do not know what he, because he, he went on to say that there were some special uh, circumstance or there was some, some special clauses in, in the in the shares that were issued. So, uh, yeah. You know, uh, debt financing versus uh, investment. But flat out, what he's saying is that this is a 7.5% uh, investment for a uh, uh, straight up swap, $110 million for 7.5% of the company. So it is a down round. But uh, I mean, this is like the controversy fueling this. They said that they had $45 million in the bank, but their burn is incredible. They do half a million dollars, half a billion dollars of revenue. Their valuation is well over a billion dollars still, even with this investment. But um, how do you how do you sugarcoat what's going on? You, I don't think you can. You, you can't. And, and the issue here is is you know when when this kind of thing happens, you know the the next thing that happens is all of a sudden the key the key employees you know are start to leave right, um, and and that's just you know the the downward spiral uh, from here. Uh, you know you, you just know it's coming right, so. Uh, you're going to start to see the defections, uh, you know, on the senior team. You know, I, I, I would think within weeks. Well, what so. he's saying is that he, he I mean, he, he wrote. Uh, obviously, this was serious enough that he had to do an internal memo, and the internal memo obviously ended up on TechCrunch and a number of other uh, media outlets. And and what he's saying, he's trying to just basically appease or or you know slow that, um, uh, you know, that from happening. But but what he talks about in this is that obviously this is a very significant accusation. The the accusation comes from Privco. Who says that this is basically it for uh, for Living Social, and um, and I, I think that there's there's challenges because if if O'Shaughnessy actually um, lied in that memo, there there are going to be class action suits, and if this is really a debt financing versus a an equity financing, um, and there is no uh, killing of uh, the original investors' uh, money that went into it, I, you know, if if that actually turns out to be true. Um, that guy is screwed. He's just he's he's opened up for litigation all over the place, but it, it, it's a it's a very serious challenge that these guys have had because um, 
you know, th their growth depends on on capital right now, and uh, because they're they're carrying all these losses, and, and it doesn't sound like they're they're executing effectively, even with a half a billion dollars of no. revenue. You know, th th a company struggling. Well, yeah, but Groupon has lots of yeah. revenue too. But we know, like, there's there's just tons of challenges with this model. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys need to figure out their mobile strategy. They need to figure out their location piece. They need to figure out how they tie this to. You know other other things other than you know here's my daily deal, yeah. uh, which we know you know is 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 not a you know it's not a sustainable no. market, and we know big brands are are pushing away from it. You know the 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 article that uh, we were talking about be before this uh, that uh, was published on Digiday this morning, which uh, which I uh, contributed to um, on the sort of the demise of the check-in uh, as far as it pertains to you know big retailers and brands. You know, the big the big guys out there are not using Living Social. They're not using Groupon. They're not using Foursquare. You know, and 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 they're not using them because they know how to do it better. Number one, that you know they've got better uh, you know better better tools available to them in terms of mobile and location strategies. They see how it fits into their overall media. Uh, you know, buy and uh, buy uh, their media buys and their campaigns, um, and these kinds of things. You know. The market that's left when you take take the real companies out of the business are you know all the startups yeah. right all the small businesses yeah. all the local you know the local restaurants and and the uh, hair salons and the nail places and the you know whatever I mean and that's a big market without question but we've heard all the horror stories over and over again about you know they use it once they don't you know and they don't use it again. Um, and I think that's that's a bit of the challenge that uh, you know that com these companies face, right? Is you know what is that? What, what is the next market? How do they take mobile into that? And the problem is, is that you know a daily deal, you know, in an email inbox works for a lot of small businesses. That works, right? But those same small businesses that they've been able to attract and sign up don't know how to do mobile. Don't have the budget to do mobile, you know. Are quite frankly, some of them aren't even interested in mobile, right? So, you know, I think that's that's the challenge. Is is you know, how do you? It's one thing to say, you know, big brands get mobile and location, to some extent, and Living Social doesn't get mobile and location, and then you've got their customer base, which is the small business, which you know gets daily deal, but doesn't know, how, you know, doesn't even see the, you know. Can't can't get to the value of mobile location because they they just don't have the budgets and they don't have the people and they don't have the stuff to execute it. So, that's the that's the problem of where these companies sit in, is in the middle of that. Uh, they can't go up market because the brands don't want to work right. with them. They can, you know the market that they're in. It, it's difficult to sort of you know widen the scope of what they can offer. You know, it, it just it, it's compounded by the fact as well that that what we saw at the very beginning when they were successful and and uh, you know let's face it they they had a they had their glory moment um, was was when the brands didn't understand what they were doing and uh, and now you know we've seen this transition where the brands would very freely give away their brand title. Uh, to a company like uh, Living Social or any, anybody or Groupon, and now what they're doing is reclaiming that brand. They don't want their apps on somebody else's apps. They want to do their own app, and you, you, you know they, they understand. They're they're getting by our resource of the week. They're they're understanding how to use how to leverage location much better than Groupon and Living Social are doing right now. So um, I, I think that this is this is the big challenge, and, and that that they're facing uh, Living Social because you know what's happening is that. Those companies are now hiring VPs and directors of mobile, right? 
uh, into the company as a, as at a senior level because they understand that that's a pivot point for their company. And if they don't have anybody in there, they're going to have to rely on Living Social, and that's not exactly what you you want to do. And the other side of this is, see, O'Shaughnessy O'Shaughnessy is saying uh, as well. Um, you, you know that uh, he's he's he, back to that conversation around the financing is that he's talking about the valuation like they're going to go public, right? He says, in you know, this is a down round, and yes, for sure, it's a down round. Everybody expected it to be a down round, but our our cap is over a billion dollars. Our run rate is half a billion dollars of revenue. So when we go public, it shouldn't have an impact on you, the shareholder who is an employee. But the likelihood of a company like Living Social actually going public, very like non-existent, right? So he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's talking about the IPO to try to placate the, that startup mentality that we see right now in, uh, you know, in Living Social and, and the fact that these people are invested, the employees are invested money and time and effort. And, uh, and that's not ever going to happen. So the, the people are going to be leaving in droves because they realize, look, you know, this, is, this company's not going public. And if it does, I mean, there's nothing to sustain a growth, you know, an increase in a, in a, in a stock price. It's just, it's a ridiculous offering. So... Uh, my condolences to Living Social. This just doesn't sound so good, right? I'm, I'm right with you on that. So. Okay, Living Social raising 110 million dollars. It's one of those things that you should be excited about. But again, you don't celebrate the raise. You celebrate your profit. You celebrate growth. You celebrate revenue. You celebrate all the things that you should as a business, not the raise. The raise is not the victory, right? It's what it leads to that is victory, and it just doesn't sound like this is a uh, is a good thing. They've raised over what? Almost like three hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it's definitely up Good there. God. Yeah. All right. Living social. You know where to go for them. I love your. You love your thoughts on this. You know where. Where do you see this going? Does living social survive? What do they have to do? I think that they have to call a Cif and I. We'll come down there. Tag team this thing right into shape. All we'll over it. Fucking yeah. fire people. We'll do the stuff that has to get done inside of that company. Right. <laughs> anyway. All, All right. right. Yes. Well, there goes living social as a sponsor. All right, our fifth story. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is this is a company called Wanderoo. Uh, you know, I never, I never thought that the industry, the uh, that I would ever, ever, ever want something like this. But uh, apparently, people are looking for what ways to get around buses and and such, and they want to be the kayak of the uh, bus travel. You know, there's aspirations there. It's you know, Wanderoo. You know, it, it, it's a it's a growing space. We're seeing all sorts of. Location-based apps and services like this launch in, in subset categories of travel and hospitality, you know, whether it's buses or bikes or, you know, um, you know uh, hotel rooms or, or whatever it is. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more of these kinds of things. Uh, we actually covered a company on here uh, a while back called BusBud. You might remember Bus that, Rob. BusBud. Uh, uh, which is a similar kind of thing. So this, is, uh, uh, this one's called Wanderoo. I, I can't help when, when I saw that name and I said it a couple times. It made me Pokeroo, think of Pokeroo. Pokeroo. Um But uh, anyhow, uh, Wanderu. Speaking of which, sorry, sorry. I, ha I have to. Okay. I, I got to put a Canadian moment right. in now. So I got to put a Canadian moment in. And so for if you're not Canadian, you Plug won't your know ears. this. If you didn't, if you didn't grow up in the '80s, um, you won't know this uh, per se. But I read a story this morning. Target is about to launch in Canada. Uh, um, you know. Big big thing, uh, you know, for Target to come up to Canada. Taking over the Eaton stores, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Zeller, Zeller stores, stores. Yeah. Uh, HBC's uh, Zeller stores. Anyway, so so as of next month, there's going to be Target in Canada. They've been working on this for months and months. They're apparently going to run their first TV commercial in Canada during the Oscars this weekend, and they've uh, licensed 
for for the commercial, the music for the commercial is the theme song from Mr. Rogers' oh, Neighborhood. Really? Yep, and it's the first time that song's ever been licensed to anybody. And Fred Rogers has been dead for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyhow, a little side uh, side note there, but uh, I thought you'd like you that see, one. You see, see, you uh, might get the Super Bowl commercials down there. You who are listening from the United States, we get Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood repurposed for Target launches on the Oscar night. Jealous much? There you, go. you know, if you live within the Windsor Corridor, <laughs> you live in Detroit, maybe you can pick up that feed, huh? Yeah. 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 All right. Back to Wanderoo. So, anyhow, back to Wanderoo. So, uh, you know, uh, described as the kayak for, for bus, uh, bu- bus uh, bookings. Uh, this is all about uh, these. So these guys have partnered up with, uh, you know, so, some of the, uh, you know, some of the great companies. So Megabus, Greyhound, Bolt Bus, you know, a lot of the uh, bus services. It's, it's only focused at the moment on the Northeast U.S., Market. They're planning on being uh, nationwide across the U.S. by the end of the year. Uh, they're one of the companies that's been picked in the in the eight to, to for in the innovative technology category for uh, South by Southwest uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, so you know, it looks like they've got everything going for them. Uh, you know, if you're looking to book a bus trip, check out Wanderoo. Check out Wanderoo. How do you spell that? Wanderoo. Wander you. Wanderu.com. Yes. Wanderoo. I, you know, it's one of the, I, I don't take buses. You know, I'm a train guy. I love the train. I can't get enough of the train. And really some of the fares in Canada anyways, you know, between Ottawa and Toronto, $39 one way. It's crazy. It's, it's bus fare rates. You can't even drive for that much, uh, for that little, uh, between the two cities. So uh, I'm not a, I'm not a bus guy, but, uh, I'm sure if I was, um, this would be helpful to me. But uh, yeah, yes. it's not something that I will. Yeah, it's not sure. something that I will use. I will gladly put my kids on. Definitely in the student yeah. market. I, I know, like uh, you know, I'm not a bus guy now, but I know when I was in university, back and forth, you know, home when I didn't have a car, uh, you know, at certain points, you know, I, I'd be taking the bus all the time. Yeah. So yeah, well, here's a perfect example of that. So Wanderoo, the kayak for bus travel, very interesting kayak for those you know airlines and you know. It's just I think that this bus is now becoming a little bit. It's not. It's not oversaturated. It was underserved. So these companies are emerging. It's good. Wanderoo.com. Okay, last story. Something that's so near and dear to our heart and our bellies. The things that we look forward to every time. At least we did. I think that uh, you know, uh, Mr. Christie um, changed the recipe on uh, at least up here in the Girl Scout, the Girl Guide cookies up in Canada. But these are the Girl Scouts. They're getting all location and uh, and like mobile transaction on us. These guys are high tech li- little uh, belly snipers. The little girl guides go out there, cute, all dressed up in in their little in their outfits, not their outfits, their uniforms, and they come knock on your door and you can't help but buy like thirty boxes of these things. And then you sit in front of the TV and just like, and then you wonder. They they create a scarcity that is unbelievable. But they're getting all sophisticated with their technology, man. Yeah, it's it's a great story. Uh, so this is Girl Scouts of USA. Uh, you know, my daughter's a Girl Guide as well, and so you know we, we got the cookies over here. So Rob, when you need a box, uh, I'll let you know. Just, and, uh, just happy to man, do just it. ship them now, right? Like I'll put my orders <laughs> in now. I just. Yeah, but see, up in Canada, we, we, it's different between the fall and the spring. Yeah. Like in the fall, you get the uh, the mint. Those are chocolate good. Cookies. Those are good. And, and in the spring, you get the traditional sort of white and chocolate yeah. ones. So, uh, but anyhow. Um, this is cool. So this is apparently, uh, you know, they've done their research on cookie sales and how this, you know, how this works for the Girl Guides. And apparently the number one reason cited for not purchasing Girl Guide cookies is that potential customers don't know where to find, uh, you know, their local Girl Scout. 
so people want the stuff. They just can't find where to get it. So here comes the app, the Cookie Finder app, uh, that lets you find nearby, you know, sellers, nearby girl guides in your neighborhood that have cookies to sell you. So um, you can run them I down. Mean, what, what more can you want? I know. Right. I like this. I, you know, I, I like I, I like this simply because you're right. They they it's it's traditional. It's old school. They knock on your door. Uh, in Canada, at least, they knock on your door and they and and to sell you the cookies, or or you know somebody who knows somebody who who sells them in the in your office. But but uh, yeah, I I I've often stopped. I'm driving down the street and I've often stopped because I saw a Girl Scout or a Girl Guide walking down with their boxes and it's like hey hey well, and there's crazy Rob running after her with you know chasing her with money trying to get some cookies. Right? It just seems a little. Well, now that I yeah. That. Now, I mean, the only thing I would I would say that's you know missing from this, you know, the other piece of, of of this is, you know, it's one thing to find find somebody, Randy, that can sell you the cookies. Uh, you know, the other thing that Girl Guides should be doing here is incorporating some kind of you know mobile payment capability like Square. I think or they said like that they that. are. They're uh, using uh, Pega systems to do uh, to do the payments, uh, so that they're actually you're handing your credit card sometimes to 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 a Girl Guide, and who else? Could you trust more than a girl guide to, to process yeah. it? Um, and I think they did that. Okay, I didn't see that part, so I must have missed that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love it though. I mean, this is great. So uh, only in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Girl guides of Canada. Got to get your act together. Let's do this thing. Come on. Let's so I have it. I have one piece of strategy that that girl guides could do right now. And and here's the thing is that I know that they create artificial uh, uh, scarcity, right? These cookies are um, wrapped in a different uh, veneer when you go to your your grocery store right now. You can go and get the same cookie everywhere, right? But but it's it's the it's that exclusivity of getting one in the spring and in the in the, in the fall. And and I and I love I love that. Um, but hey, you know what that app should do? It should allow me to pre-purchase. Here, here's the perfect strategy for you: leverage mobile so that I pre-purchase my stuff, right? So that I don't have to go chase a girl yeah. down, down in the middle of the street because that's pretty much frowned on, you know, these days. Let me pre-pay for them. Let me buy my ten boxes. Mm -hmm. Let me do it right away, and then you just deliver them. Put them in my garage. Put them. Knock on the door. Drop my drop my uh, girl guy cookies off, and uh, I don't want to have to see you. I just think that you're missing out an opportunity here. Uh, I love the old school approach, but you can't take this old school approach of knocking on the door and a new school approach of a location based marketing initiative with an app and all that kind of stuff, and not let me buy ahead of time. And I think it's great because if you told me that, listen. You buy the 10 boxes today, and then, hey, if you pre-buy, we'll give you 10% discount for the fall. These guys will rack up cash. They will rack up cash. Mm -hmm. They will be the biggest company on the planet as a result of that. But right now, I think they're limiting it because um, I know lots of people would buy that way. And the inconvenience of me having to send you money and you shipping those cookies to me in Ottawa, not going to happen, right? <coughs> right. So, and then it leads me to, to, to yeah. wonder, why don't they just... Uh, we'll just send you some cookies anyway, okay. Rob. It's all good. But why don't they just do it all year round? I, like, I don't get that. Like, just let's get into this. Let's make it a business. And um, But I think that the app is a good start and, and certainly a good lesson for uh, for those girl guides that are out there trucking around, uh, accepting credit card payments and looking at technologies changing the world. I think it's pretty cool. So good on them and get on it, Canada. That was our, our light story. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I like it. I like the innovation. Uh, you know, I don't have any girls, but um, but I, I just I do like girl guy cookies. There you go. So six stories. One uh, special guest. A uh, fascinating app in in Truckley. Uh, the only thing we left we have is our resource, which is uh, I, I think a uh, a stellar resource that really demonstrates that uh, you you know I think that. Um, brands are starting to understand that location is very, very, very important. Wouldn't you say, Asif? 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, an article uh, published by eMarketer, uh, and it, it factors in data from two studies, actually, one from eConsultancy and the other one from Verve Mobile, which was just uh, launched last week. Uh, and both of these studies are great, so if you get a chance, uh, you know, check check the studies directly out. But, you know, the, some of the stats in here are really interesting. So uh, the e-consultancy report, 27% of companies worldwide plan to implement location-based marketing in 2013, 34%. Uh, intend to invest in mobile advertising. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big number, 27%, I think, from a global perspective. Uh, you know, a brand's going to do this. And then the Verve study, they, um, you know, they, they looked at it and they said that, uh, found that the percentage of campaigns using geofencing uh, or geo-aware targeting has more than doubled from 17% in 2011 to 36% in 2012. So, you know, we're seeing the growth. We know location's important. That's why we do this show. We talk about it every week. Uh, but now we got some great data to back it up too. Yeah, no, that that jump is pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, you know, it, it just seems like that we were for the last year we've been climbing this hill where we've been saying, listen, it's so important. You got to do this. You as a brand, you got to understand. You got to location is very important. And location aware data is very important. And and it's it's critical to driving people into your business. And all of a sudden, it just you know, it, now it's got its own momentum. And, you know, for people who are out there not doing that, what's stopping you? Well, you know, you're wasting your money if you're not uh, if you're not selective in where you're advertising and how you're advertising um, and who you're advertising to. So, yeah, big jumps. Love it. So if you're interested in that, go to eMarketer.com or just do a search for real-time location data. Uh, get a bigger slice of mobile targeting. That's a mouthful. Why don't you just go to untether.tv where this episode is or thelbma.com and find the resource there. Absolutely. All right. Done. Six stories, special guest, good feature, and uh, a featured app, and our resource of the week. Episode number 118 is nailed. Can't complain about this one. If you have a complaint, reach out. Untether.tv slash talk. Leave us your voicemail. Did we do this one too long? Do you agree with our living social assessment? And hey, uh, what about KLM? Anybody out there used it? Leave us your response. If you've got the map, take a picture of the map. God, I'd love to see that. So uh, send it our way and we will uh, feature it in the episode. Anything else, uh, Asif? Or can we can we close this one? No, I think we're good. It's, uh, you know, you got me hungry. I'm thinking about cookies now. So uh, I think I think we're, uh, we're time, time, time to sign off. Here. All right. So uh, last plea, head to iTunes. If you are, or any of your podcasting software, give us a review. Except for if it's a one or two star review, in that case, uh, send us an email and, and let us know why, what we can do to change that on you. But uh, please, four and five star reviews are very welcome. Leave us a note there as well. Really appreciate it if you do that. But we will be back for episode, episode number 119 next week. And uh, we'll appreciate you uh, coming back and checking out. Asif, have a safe week. Good travels, man. Thank you, All sir. Right, everybody, we'll see you next week.